What's up, everybody? Apologize for lack of podcasting over the last, gosh, it might be 10 days now, maybe, since this might be the longest period I've gone without doing a podcast. Um, there's no there's no real reason behind that. Um, I mean, I, I came back to altitude, and um, I, I guess I just got stuck back into training, Um I wasn't really able to train probably how I'd like straight away. Um, I did everything I could get into the Irish Championships to like come out of the Irish Championships in one piece. Um, you know, I trained up until the Wednesday before the champs and I had no injury concerns whatsoever. And then I went for a run Wednesday evening, I think it was, and my foot hurt. Um, and then I went for a run Thursday morning back in Belfast and you know my I wasn't supposed to be back in Belfast Thursday morning but there was strikes at Heathrow Airport so I changed my travel itinerary um, and then I ended up with a sore foot and a sore knee on the left side and it wasn't like it wasn't like a little bit sore like like stiff it was like properly sore Um so that gave me a bit of a scare. Um, so I, I got treatment and I got through the Irish champs and I came back. I actually rested on the Sunday to, before I flew back to altitude. And um, I, I, I mean, I was flying business class. It's the first time I've ever flown business class, which was amazing. Um, but normally I would have done an 80 or, 80 or a 90 minute run on that Sunday morning because I didn't fly until about three o'clock but I just knew that those sort of niggles and my foot and my left knee and I think they just needed to settle down um so I rested and then when I got back to flag it was a I'm I'm never because I've came to altitude so many times over the last like two years I don't I don't really like it's the wrong way to say it but like it's not that I don't respect altitude it's just that I understand that the more times you come back to altitude you can actually crack on a little bit sooner so I got back on the Sunday like ordinarily by the Tuesday I would have done maybe a fartlek or something like that like but this time round I took three or four days I think it was three days Monday Tuesday Wednesday I took it really easy um, and then on the Thursday that was my first day that I think I doubled and I probably thought okay now I'm kind of back to normal um, so like the knee issue like even though even though it was gone on paper it was still affecting training because you know I was getting so much treatment and I was doing so much strength work to like get rid of the knee problem you could say I was doing all this strength work I was getting all this treatment it meant when I was training my legs were just fucking trashed honestly I for it felt like for seven or eight days my quads were just fucked to be perfectly honest um and they were either fucked from running or they were fucked from squatting in the gym or yeah or like when then I would get massage and we would absolutely butcher them to make sure there was no pulling on the kneecaps and stuff and yeah they were they were in a bad place um right up until probably Monday of this week um and then Monday of this week was the first day that I sort of think I felt 
pretty good. Um, I didn't plan to run quicker and, you know, I set off on a pretty hilly run and I just found myself running faster. Um, and the reason I say this is frustrating is because, like, everything was going in such an amazing direction up until the Irish Champs and, you know, maybe I just overtrained a little bit back at sea level in London. Um, I look back at some of those weeks and they were they were pretty intense and there was a lot of sort of like faster running even on easy days and um like three sessions a week plus a solid long run it's a it's a tough schedule for the body to handle um and and maybe that caught up with me um but you know remember I told you guys about Andy Butchard I don't know if you listened to me but I basically Butchie said to me uh he I texted him and said you're looking really fit um and this was a while back when he was at altitude up here in Flagstaff and he replied to me, get fit or get fucked. Um, and I think that's what you've got to do. Um, I, I don't want to start encouraging people to like get hurt or anything like that. Like that's, that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, but at the same time, if you, if you do want to achieve better results than you've ever achieved before, then, you know, you, you definitely have to put in the work. Um, so, I mean, that's where I got to. I think, I think the next, the next phase for me might be to not, might be to not play it as safe all the time and it might be the point of my career or journey in this comeback um to i'm not going to say like push boundaries but certainly like not be afraid to um like push myself and ordinarily where i might have rested because something's so, like tired not sore sore is the wrong word if something's tired and ordinarily i'd have been like yeah, 85 mile this week will be enough or 90 mile this week will be enough. I think now it's got to the point where I have to start pushing my mileage maybe from, I think I've been sitting around 80, 85 to 90 at the moment and that's been working really well. But I think maybe for this marathon that it wouldn't do any harm to be closer to 100 and sometimes tip over 100. So don't don't force 100, but... It's only like, I think for Houston Marathon, I averaged about 88 miles a week, something like that. Um, So if I could, and I mean, that's a 12-week average. So that's not, it's not as unimpressive as it might sound. Um, I know some people hit 110 and 120, but um, I haven't. So maybe for Doha and um, looking at qualifying for Tokyo, well, I, I should probably start to try to, push that mileage a little bit not like I did in February where I was really trying to just see what would happen if I started hitting like 110 120 um, and and upwards but maybe like you know where you're hitting like 98 to 105 and the purpose is that the next time round you could be pushing that to like 100 to 108 or something like that um, so things are things are good things are definitely in a good place um I feel in a good place. I feel healthy again. Um, I I feel pretty fit. Um, I haven't I haven't done really any sessions that I that I feel so far of like even lean towards the marathon. Um, I I love altitude. I love it the bits, but there's I I definitely believe there's a and I'm gonna call it a detraining effect that you you go to altitude and um you need to take it a bit easier for you know, a week's time or 10 days time. And like, I'm telling you in the past that I've been able to come up here and, 
jump in to do a fartlek on the Tuesday and maybe like a um, like a turnover session on the Friday because like altitude you don't run as fast sometimes so sometimes you might do a little bit of turnover type training like 200s or 400s um, instead of like mile reps whereas so the detraining effect is that you're only doing a fartlek and you're only doing the 200s because you know that you can't do them as fast as what you probably could at sea level. So the detraining effect is that, you know, it got to Sunday of last week and all I had done was a steady run on the Thursday, the 200s on a Friday, and like a, I'm going to call it a solid long run on the Sunday because we did like 18 miles and I think the last nine miles for me were like 530 odds, but my heart rate, my heart rate equivalent which might bore some people, but I can run along at, when I was doing the fast long runs with Scott in Teddington, we would do like 10 miles at 5.50, 10 miles at 5.20 to 5.30, or 5.25 to 5.30. And the highest my heart rate would go would be like 155. My heart rate was 168 on Sunday, and I was running 5.30 pace along, Woody, or along Lake Mary Road. It is just not... It's not the same. Um, altitude is just disgusting. Um, you know, I I probably for probably for four or five mile, I was able to keep the heart rate around one sixty. But then when you start hitting some hills and um, it's just fucking nuts. That is fucking nuts. My heart rate is thirteen beats higher, and I'm running slower. I mean, that's why you get so fit at altitude. But um, the the detraining effect that I'm talking about is that you know actually sometimes you um you want to hit certain speeds in training um so you know there's periods of training where like it's important that you hit certain speeds whether it's marathon pace whether it's 10k pace and um for me to run at marathon pace at 7000 feet um you're probably looking at that being like half marathon heart rate um and so you can't really do it for that long um and and that's what i mean by like detraining effect um but like supposedly you do get a lot fitter at 7000 feet um you know like the your 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 body's just working on a daily basis harder than what it would um at sea level and um i today's the first day that i've like had a not not i've been napping since i've been here but today's the first day that i've had and if anyone's trained at altitude they'll understand when I say like an altitude nap where like it's literally like my subconscious and I'm almost dreaming that I need to tell my body to rest more you know and I'm I'm waking up out of this like subconscious or subconscious state and I'm like thinking (laughs) like was my like body telling me to like fuck off back to sea level there like I think it was Um, and and I'm kind of laughing about that because that's that's how altitude kind of is um it, it it is really tough but i mean that's probably why you get fit let me just drink some water you know my guess would be that's why you do end up getting like pretty fit at altitude and um i think it's definitely key to my development not just the altitude side of things but um you know, the isolation, the getting away from um, normal life. Like I say normal life, but it, <clears throat> normal life at 7,000 feet is 
um, train and eat and sleep and go to the gym and um, go to yoga and you know that feels pretty normal up here whereas normal for me in like London or Belfast is train to an extent um, it gets to the weekend and, and I, I just can't fucking help myself I just love partying um, and I don't when I'm in America because I've never it's never existed for me apart from like back in college days like I've never really partied in America whereas because it was such a normal thing for me to do in London on a Friday or a Saturday you know it it feels like when I'm back there that I'm having to like say no to that life whereas when I'm in America it's just natural I don't I don't have to say no to it I don't I surround myself with people that I'm at the minute I'm training with a guy called Matthew Hughes and he's a steepler and he runs eight I want to say eight eleven for 3k steeple he's been to this is going to be his fifth world champs he's been I want to also say fifth at the world champs maybe fourth um Hughes is an absolute beast um and but you can tell why like it's pretty obvious when you spend time around um, good athletes, why they're good. Um, you know, they're, he's doing his activation stuff every morning. And, and activation stuff is just activating your muscles before you go run on them. A um, bit of dynamic stretching most evenings. I think that's especially important for the steeplechase. But when I told him I was going to yoga two or three times a week, he like jumped straight on that because that's something he had done back in Portland. And he was a member of Bowerman Track Club. Um, but no, like it, it's, there's, there's obvious signs of why athletes are good. And, and I, if I'm being honest, like I, I already do like 75 to 80% of those things. I mean, I actually do them all some weeks, but not all the time. And that includes the activation stuff that includes the rehab that includes gym twice a week and yoga, you know, there's, there's periods in my training where I'm doing everything that these guys do but it's just the sheer time that these guys have been doing it for and and there is athletes in the world that are just better than you but you know the only way to even get close to being as good as a couple of the people that I might mention or like you know the guys on the world circuit that are running really well is to be doing what they're doing for as long as they're doing or you can't you can't say drugs or you can't say you know they're just better like it, that's not fair if you're not willing to try and put in that work and um maybe that's easy for me to say because I'm here and I'm at altitude and um this has all become an option for me now whereas it's not always an option for everybody to change their stars and um change the life that they're currently living and just ditch family and ditch friends and move the altitude and things like this like I think most groups spend probably five to six months a year at altitude um let me see if my coffee's too hot Ooh, that's pretty good um yeah I would say most I think there's often periods where I spend too much time at altitude um and that's why I dropped down to Teddington before the Irish champs you know I was a bit emotionally frustrated and um but also like there's frustrations in that like there's me struggling along Lake Mary Road on Sunday at 5.30 something per mile and you know altitude really gets to me because I'm asthmatic so like there's there's 
there's days at altitude where my diaphragm just hurts and I don't, I can't, I can't, you know, what do you call being tired or being like hitting a, you know, when you hit a limit, most people, when they hit a limit, it's either legs, breathing, lactic acid, or just mentally fatigued. So for me at altitude, it is always breathing. So I get to the point where like, I, I, I'm pushing almost as hard as I can, but my heart rate might be like, it, at sea level, I can run along at 175 heart rate. Like I did a tempo in Bushy Park and I was running along at 175, maybe for like four miles of my tempo. And I'm running like 450 to 455 pace per mile. Um, and I feel really good. Like that feels like, okay, this is the, the effort that I'm going to put in during a half marathon. At altitude, my heart rate will be like, like I told you on Sunday, 165 to 168. And I'm struggling to hit like, you know, I'm struggling to hit like 530 odd per mile because I'm like mile 16 in the long run. Like, like obviously I can, if I go fresh, like we did on Tuesday and did a bit of tempo work, my heart rate's going to be much lower at that speed. But when I'm 16 mile in the long run and it's hot, like, my heart rate is sitting at, like I said, like 166 to 168. And, and I really feel like I'm pushing. Um, but it's just different at sea level. So I think at altitude, I'm like limited by like my breathing. And I have to do these diaphragm exercises and stuff, which helps to kind of like, maybe it helps to increase my lung volume, or at least it warms it up before I go run. And that seems to make a big difference. Um, and one of my friends actually up here, at altitude called Tommy Rivers he showed me how to do this like diaphragmatic breathing and and I should do it before every run I'm a bit lazy sometimes I don't do it until we like turn around at five miles um, and then it really hurts to do it but yeah breathing is one of my limitations and that's just something I deal with and maybe most people deal with I used to think I used to actually just believe I was unfit um, but actually I think my asthma gets pretty bad at 7,000 feet um so yeah so look things are good there's no there's no change in um oh fuck there is um my <laughs> that's really funny my my planning i think is finished for doha um you know the original plan was to come back the altitude um and then to spend a period of time at um in louisiana and I'm still going to do that. So I'm still planning to do four weeks of altitude up in Flagstaff. Um, and then I'm going to do 10 days in Louisiana. And the, and the 10 days in Louisiana is really important um, because, you know, it's going to be a really humid marathon or it might be the most humid marathon that anybody has ever run or it could be 80 to 85% which isn't the most humid ever, but it's still fucking humid. Um, and so part of my preparation has to be in the humidity. Um, I, I could have, in inverted commas, just gone to Doha like two weeks early or 10 days early, whatever, whatever you want to do. Um, but the problem with that is that I've heard it's really hot in Doha. It's a completely different country that I've never been to before, so I don't know how my eating would be, my sleeping would be, etc., etc. There's There's a lot of things going on that would be out of my control. So I did a camp to the humidity in the beginning of July, 
And if I also do one at the end of August here, it means I'll have done two camps in the humidity. And it doesn't mean that I don't need to do any acclimation for Doha closer to the race, but it means that I can do a lot less. So I believe that if I've done two humidity camps, you might find that um, with, let's say when I, so what, what I'm going to do is I'm in Flagstaff. I'm going to go to Louisiana again at the end of August. After I do that camp in Louisiana on the 1st of September, I fly to St. Moritz and then I'm going to finish my preparations in St. Moritz. What I might have to do is while I'm in St. Moritz, every three times a week, I could probably have a sauna. Three times a week, I could probably do a steam room. Um, three times a week, I could probably run with, you know, everybody has like a jacket or, you know, I have this Under Armour jacket that, you know, it's a, I think it's called like a, a light rainproof jacket, but every time I wear it, I'm fucking drenched in sweat. This thing does not let air in. And, and so basically like three or four times a week, I can probably, or probably three times a week and maybe a little bit more closer to the race, I can probably wrap up in layers. Um, and, and that, that combined with the two camps should be enough to be okay to handle the humidity. Um, if I didn't do the two camps, well then I wouldn't rely on sauna steam running with layers and then I'll still spend my last three to four days in Doha before the marathon. So there will still be some time in Doha, but I think basically I think doing these pre-camps is going to mean that I can stay at altitude longer and stay in an environment where I know I can control everything, i.e. training, eating, sleeping, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think that's really important. You could find I'm in a yoga studio on the Tuesday before the World Champs on the Saturday instead of being in the athlete hotel, like nervous and like mind racing about how I'm going to occupy myself every day. The longer you can stay in your own normal environment, the better. Um, and especially when it is somewhere like Doha that I've never been before and I don't really know a lot about. Um, I think that I think that could be a real advantage, but it's only an advantage if you've done some kind of like acclimation work. Um, and so both are very important, but you just have to weigh it up like, for some people, maybe going to Doha two weeks before is no big deal at all. You know, maybe you go to Doha two weeks before. Um, that said, you're not going to get any sort of altitude benefit if you go two weeks before. Or, I mean, you will, but you won't. I think the best time to drop in from altitude is three to four days before. Um, some people prefer two to three weeks before. Um, yeah, I, I, it's it's each person's preference. I'm just looking here at the IAAF, like, I guess, rankings. But I'm not looking at the rankings. I'm looking at what points you get for certain performances because one one thing that my plan will now involve is the Copenhagen Half Marathon. So when I leave Louisiana, I'm going to go to St. Moritz. I'll be in St. Moritz for two weeks and then I'm going to drop down to sea level and race the Copenhagen Half. I have been told the Copenhagen half is very fast. Um, and if you look at previous results, it, it is bloody very fast. Um, so I'm, I'm looking, but the fucking half marathon is really tough. You, you have to run 62 
62 16 is 1100 points that just seems really fucking fast i don't know what that is per mile but it it seems fast let's see if i can do some quick maths while you guys are listening 62 times 60 equals plus 16 equals divided by 13.1 equals oof that's 445 per mile 62.15 no 62.16 is 445 per mile whoosh so yeah fuck that's what I've got to do it's not that that's what I've got to do but um I wanted to race a half marathon anyway um and I just thought it would be um actually it was on the run this morning I forgot that for the Olympics a half marathon could be included so I figured when I got home, but I just didn't get around it. But this is me looking right now. 62.16, I think, could be a pretty useful performance. Um, I don't know currently what's sitting inside the top 80. That's something else I can look for you right now. I just need to type in my name, Stephen Scullion. And then IAAF comes up. There we go, IAAF. And then you can actually click straight through to the rankings. Um, I only see I only have a thousand and seventy eight points, um, and I'm pretty sure. Okay, let's limit it to three per country. That's the men's marathon. I want to say I'm like ninety odds now. Mick Clahessy is down to eighty seventh. Um, fuck, I I'm telling you what, this is getting worse. I, I, I predicted that if you have about a thousand, 1,110 points, you'd get inside the top 80. Well, that is no longer inside the top 80. Now, well, okay, it's just about inside the top 80, and it's a Polish guy. Let's see what he's done. You see, motherfucker, <laughs> this pisses me off. Um... You basically have to do a marathon that, like, I'm not going to say nobody's ever heard of, but this guy ran 2.13.30, 2.13.25, that's really impressive, and 2.15.17, both performances I think I'm capable of, but it very much depends what marathon you pick. Um, he When he ran 2.13.25, he came second, so he got 35 bonus points. So it was worth like 1,136 points. That's fucking beautiful. Um, He probably looks pretty damn good for the Olympics because he can build on that 1,136. It's it's really frustrating. Um, You know, I can't believe, right? Here's an athlete called Florian Carvalho who is, I think he's a beast. He ran 2.12.50 and 2.15.14. But he got... He got 20 bonus points in one of his marathons and he got 35 in the other. And he is currently sitting in 74th place. I mean, I wouldn't be feeling very safe sitting in 74th place. Like, not when so many people from so many other countries are fucking coming for you. Um, he has 1,117. You know, 1,126, 1, like, you're sitting in 70th. And I... I don't know, even know that 70th is like, see if this far out from the Olympics. So what is that? 1,122. Let me tell you what that is. 1,122 points is 
Oh, 61.40 for the half marathon. Yeah, no probs. Um, and 2.12.15 for the marathon. Jesus Christ. It's tough, isn't it? <laughs> this, old, this old Olympics game isn't... Uh, oh, I, I'm sorry I loaded the fucking website up now, to be perfectly honest. But there you go. Um, fuck, my podcast is all about the Olympics, so I can't be negative. <laughs> I mean, it's not... Yeah, it's a challenge. Um, I I haven't totally decided my strategy about the Olympics yet. Of just about even looking at Doha, right? If you look at if you look at my plan for the next eight weeks, irrelevant to Doha, it's a really good plan for future development. You know, I'm going to spend another two and a half weeks in Flagstaff. Then I'm going to do. 10 days in the heat and the humidity um, and then I'm going to do four weeks in St. Moritz so all my plans even if they're specifically preparing for a world champs or a European champs they are the backbone to my continued development um, and they you know they're set up do can I get physio where I'm going Am I going to have training partners where I'm going? Can I do yoga where I'm going? Am I going to have my own kitchen where I'm going? Etc. Etc. Um, and so, like, like I've I've said many times, I think the best way for me personally to make the Olympics is to just be better, just to get better. And once I'm better, which I already think I am, like um, I think the Irish champs this year was more comfortable than what last year was. Um, I can naturally see an improvement in my training and um, like everything just feels better. Um, but once you're, once you're better and once you're at a higher level, then you put yourself on start lines where you feel you can be competitive and perhaps get these bonus points or run sub 2.11.30. Um, I still think 2.11.30 is a, a long shot. Um, I think I think I told Matt on the run this morning that I I thought two eleven thirty was two or three years from now, and um, you know it's the kind of performance that you need everything to be perfect. Um, your build up, um, the race day, the conditions, and you guys know and I know it's it's difficult to like get perfect nowadays. Um, weather, health, you know. It, you need to be very resilient and you need the weather to sort of be good to you, to, to even have a chance of perfect. Um, so yeah, so there's my podcast, letting you guys catch up with the plan. Um, like I say, training's going good tomorrow. I think we're going to do some mile reps. Um, and, and I think tomorrow is like a, probably like a transition from my 10K work to probably almost like half marathon work and then we're gonna push and start hitting marathon work um i i think the key to a successful marathon in doha is in inverted commas less is more um i think you need to focus on the acclimation side of things um and i think you just need to be healthy i think if you can be healthy um happy pretty fit um, you're you stand a really good chance of being successful in Doha. Um, little bit pissed off that I've looked up the fucking rankings and um, 
let me tell you what you would have to run at the national championships at the national championships i believe you get 45 bonus points so that's why mcclahesse ran 215.58 and it was worth more than my 214.30 because of the bonus points so 45 bonus points means you could run if i think you're going to need like 1120 now 45 less than that is 1075 basically you need to run fucking hell you need to run 215.01 or 214.57 at dublin marathon to i think to stand a chance of making the olympics that's not easy i mean i don't know if it's easy or not um i don't think i was very fit the year that i did dublin marathon um maybe it's pretty achievable maybe it's not um if you could go to dublin marathon and just fucking run like sub 214 that would be you'd be laughing that would be the performance of the day and you'd be oh you'd be clean sailing you'd be an 1135 and but you do need to back that up though mind you so but 11.35 at the minute, you're still only sitting like 62nd in the rankings. That's mental. Someone has ran 2.10.42 and 61.50. That's the equivalent. A 2.10.40 guy and a 61.50 guy is sitting in 62nd place. Fucking Jesus. Jeez, I'm swearing a lot, but I think it's because this pissed me off. But you know, I, I, I don't know how difficult. I know that... Um, athletes in the past have broke you know um jerry kiernan and um like john tracy you know these guys have ran fast at dublin so i don't think the problem is dublin i think it's just being fit enough to manage the hills as well as you can and the reason i really fancy dublin is because the elite guys aren't super super fast so you actually have company for quite a long way and i mean i was keeping up to 21 22 miles so um basically all you'd need to do is fucking finish that off and you've had a really good day but there you go um that's where things are at um i, I hope you guys are all doing good um, i appreciate you listening this is a bit longer um probably uber boring but there you go that's the that's the plan that's the update um uh that's all i can say for now take care now bye bye